And uh, we've been doing this now for, uh, this is going to be the fourth week um, of the league. And what we've discovered, just to, to remind people who haven't been here or, or you know, if you've forgotten, we, we described our life kind of like this bucket. Um, and in this bucket, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, Christ fills this bucket with his life. The Bible says that, Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. And so when Jesus comes into your life, he fills your life to the full. So he says that when he gives, he gives pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. So the, the life that you have in Jesus Christ is an overflowing life. But so often things happen in our lives and we've discussed already some of the things that cause little holes in the bo- bottom of our bucket. Just little ones, some that uh, uh, you notice, some that you don't notice. And basically what happens is when, life, uh, when Christ pours his life into you, these holes start to drain the life of Christ out of you. And so uh, 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 a few weeks ago we talked about how to start to mend these holes. And that's by lifting Jesus up and praising Jesus. Because the Bible says that where the praises of the people are, where people praise God, there God dwells as well. So when you praise God, God starts filling your bucket all again. Last week we, uh, uh, we discussed uh, just some of the idols in our lives. And just some of the, the, the things that, that, that consume our lives or the vices in our lives that just cause bucket the holes in the bucket and the life of Christ drains out. And so that was pretty powerful that we talked about last week. And, uh, and I'm still praying for some of you guys, uh, just, uh, just some of the things that are in your life, the idols that are in your life. And I'm praying that God will just break you free of some of those things. Well, today I want to start, uh, look at a subject that I don't think I've ever spoken on before. And I'll be honest, because I've always been scared to speak on it. It's a subject that uh, I think you can get some life application out of it, but we're going to talk a little bit of theology today as well. So for you brainiacs who, uh, you know, really like to go deep and stuff like that, we're going to talk a little bit of theology. You know, since, uh, basically since Christianity was formed, when the early church in the book of Acts was formed, there was different people who had different views on what the scriptures should say. And as the scriptures were formed and uh, as, as they were written over the years through the history of Christianity, people have come up with their own ideas about what theology is. And theology is basically the study of God and, 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 what, and what God is. And so basically, if I just say to you what your theology is, it's basically what your view of God is. And so different people have different views. But say for the last... 200 years, 300 years, there has been two uh, lines of thought that people, like there's been churches that have split over it, there's been churches that have started over this line of theology, and I'll be honest, I really don't know uh, what is truthful and what is not with this line of theology, and the reason is, is because the Bible is not, uh, is not totally definite, and basically these two views one is on the one side, and the very extreme view, it's called Calvinism. Now you get on the other side, there's a view called Arminianism. Now let me explain what these two are, and before you like totally get lost this morning. Basically, on the one side, on the extreme level, and when I mean extreme, I mean if someone like calls themselves a Calvinist or an Arminian, it doesn't mean that this is everything they believe, but on the extreme level, You have one type of people who believe that everything 
in this world from beginning to end is ordained by God from the smallest detail to the largest natural disaster. And there is nothing that we can do as human beings to change it. There are people who believe that we do not really have free will. And their motto on the extreme side is, whatever will be, will be. Whatever will be, will be. They believe that the sovereignty of God is enough. And that it doesn't really matter whether you sin or you don't sin. Because God has already ordained who is going to go to heaven and who is going to go to hell. And that's right, on the extreme level. Then you get the other extreme level. And on the other extreme level, you have people who believe that we must constantly work to be right with God. They believe that if we sin, then we are on a path to hell. And that if we have unconfessed sin in our lives, then we are not really a Christian. On the extreme side, they believe that if you sin, after you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then you can lose that salvation because of that sin in your life. And there's even people I've met who believe like, you know, if even if maybe you said a little cuss word or maybe if you said a little lie, then, then that disqualifies you from going to heaven. And then you have to get saved all over again. They, on the extreme level, they believe that holiness is the key to everything and that we must eradicate everything from our lives that is not holy. And so you've got these two sides that people in Christianity have been fighting over for years upon years upon years. Well, I believe the reality is that both of these extreme views are not biblical and they're not true. We clearly see that throughout the Bible that free will is given to man. There's no question about it. Man does things, and there are consequences for those things. God allows people to have free will. There were even people in the Bible who changed the mind of God. Last week we talked about a guy called Hezekiah. Hezekiah prayed and changed the mind of God. So we clearly see that God, even though he is sovereign, and even though He is in control of everything. He still allows man to have his own choice. Actually, there was an example in the Bible because a lot of people on one extreme side say that, well, uh, you know, everything is is under grace, so everything is allowable. Well, there was an an example in the Bible, and there was two people, one called Ananus and one called Sapphira, and they sinned so much against God, and this was after Jesus had died and rose again and gone to heaven. They sinned so much against God that God decided, he would just strike them dead because they were sinned so much against God. We also clearly see in the Bible that there is something called grace and that we are under grace. And we'll talk a little bit about what grace is in a minute. The Apostle Paul says that God's grace is sufficient for us. And yet we see the Bible, there are people who sin greatly, who've got a lot of sin in their lives. But yet God favors them and God loves them and God does not disqualify them because of the grace that God has given them. And so that's why I don't believe these two extreme views can be right. Because I see both in the Bible. I see grace, 
but I also see holiness. I, I see free will, but I also see that God is a, is a sovereign God who, who is in control of, of your life and my life. But he does give us choice. You know, throughout this series, we've been talking about repairing the leaks in our lives. And the leaks that are causing the life of Christ to drain out. And I honestly believe that for some people, a warped view of God is like a leak in your life. It's like a big hole that may be draining the life of Christ out of you today. I believe a wrong theology will cause big holes in the bucket of your life. And the one who believes that everything is just about the grace of God does not understand that we as Christians are called to a life of holiness. But then the ones who think it's all about holiness don't realize that we can neither be right in the sight of God without grace. And you cannot pursue a life of God without grace. So today I want to show you How the Bible shows us that both grace and what we call holiness works together to give you the fullness of Christ. And without both, it is impossible to experience the life of God. And if you haven't got grace in your life, then there's no way that the life of Christ can pour in. And if you don't have holiness in your life, then it's like big holes are in the bucket of your life and it's going to drain the life of Christ out of you. I want to give you an example today in the Bible. And I love, I love this story. It's only a short story in the Bible. But if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're going to start looking at verse 1. And I just love this story just because I could just imagine like being this woman. Not like I can imagine being a woman, but I can imagine being this woman. And it says this, it says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and Jesus taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. So these religious leaders come in, and they get this woman, and they put her right in front of Jesus. This woman, she's been caught in the act of adultery. They said, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says that we should stone her. But what do you say? So the law of Moses, which was the law that the Israelites followed to make them try to be right with God. Basically said, if someone is caught, if a woman is caught in the act of adultery, she should be stoned to death. So now they're testing Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, what do you say? Because they don't, they, they don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. They believe that Jesus is some imposter. And so they're asking, does Jesus really know the law of God? So Jesus, what do you say? Then it says in verse 6, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Just start playing in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. As they were wanting to stone her. So one who has never sinned, you begin to stone her. Go ahead. So he stooped down again and he wrote again in the dust. When the accusers heard this, 
They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with this woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And this is where it's important. This is exactly what Jesus said. And this is where the theology that we're going to talk about today comes in. And Jesus says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. This is an incredible story uh, and an example of how Jesus desires us to live. As believers of Jesus Christ, he desires us to be like this woman, not an adulterer, but exactly what he tells this woman to be. So we have a woman who is obviously a sinner. She's caught sleeping around with, a, with, with either a man uh, who is not her husband or with another, um, uh, another woman's husband. Everybody knows that she's a sinner. And even she knows she's a sinner. She's condemned as a sinner, and the way that the law of their land wrote, there was no way of redemption. There was no way that she was getting a pardon for it. She was a sinner, and they, they demanded that she had to pay for her sins. You know, that's just like us. You know, you may not be a multiple adulterer this morning, but the Bible tells us every one of us has sinned. The Bible says everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Every one of you is a sinner. And God has demanded that if you have sinned, then the penalty is death. The Bible says the wages of sin are death. And so, every one of us is just like this woman today. Every one of us has sinned. Now notice here, Jesus basically tells everybody else. Everybody else has come to condemn this woman. And Jesus basically says, who are you to condemn this woman? Who are you to condemn this woman? I believe it is only God who knows the heart of a man. And I decided very early in my life that I would not be someone who would condemn other people. Who wouldn't condemn other people. And the reason was is because I don't know what's in someone else's heart. I wouldn't be one who would point the finger and say, look at you. Look at that person. Look what they've done. But I would be someone. And as a pastor and as as the leader of this church, I am someone who I do know that I have to teach and sometimes correct when wrongs are done. And I think sometimes we have to get past the point of realizing that if you call something a sin, it doesn't mean that you're condemning that person. Because I I see so much in life, and you you hear a lot now, and and there's a lot of issues going on, political issues. And if you talk about them just a little bit, all these other people start coming in and says, well, who are you to condemn? Jesus says that you shouldn't condemn. Well, if something is a sin, and the Bible has called it a sin, it's not you condemning it. And these people, these men, they brought this woman to Jesus. And everyone thinks that these men, they condemned this woman. Because she was an adulterer. Well, the reality was, I don't believe them calling out her sin were them condemning her. I believe that they condemned her because they thought they were better than her. And every one of us has sinned and we've all got a load of junk in our lives and different things that that are going on in our lives. And my junk is no better than yours. But sometimes you do need to call out sin and sin what it is. 
But never think that you are better than somebody else because you're not. And when everybody had left, Jesus, it was just Jesus and this woman. And we see just in a sentence the beautiful relationship between what we call grace and holiness. The first thing that Jesus says to her, he says, woman, neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you. If there was a man who could condemn this woman, it was Jesus. If there was a man who was better than this woman, it was Jesus. If there was a man who could throw up a stone and stone her because he had no sin, it was Jesus. And this, in this moment, is what we call grace. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. At this moment, Jesus pours out grace upon this woman. The the term grace, and you'll see it throughout the Bible, and and we're not trying to confuse you this morning, but there are terms in the Bible that, as you read the Bible, you'll need to understand. And the term grace is a very complex term. I mean, you could write book and book and book after it. But the reality is, on the very basic level, grace is a covenant between you and God. Between man and God. And it's a covenant that enables you to be right with God. Through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus created this covenant with man and with God. And the covenant was this. That if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can partake. In the promise that God has given you. And that is eternal life. I want, to, I want to read some scriptures to you. Just so you can kind of try to understand what grace is. And, and we won't go into a full thing this morning. Just a very basic understanding. But Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9 says this. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Saved you from what? Saved you from sin. Saved you from death. Saved you from the penalty or the wages of sin, which is death. So God saved you by his grace when you believed. So the way that you get grace is by believing in Jesus Christ. It says you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. You don't work to get grace. You can't can't, uh, do all these things. You can't have a 12-step program to get grace. Grace is a gift. From God, it's a gift that God gives to you. In verse 9, it says, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we do. So none of us can boast about it. So there's no way that you can work to get grace. You can't become the best Christian in the world and say, Right now I deserve grace. Grace is a gift from God. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says this. It says, Jesus is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. You see, every one of us, we were like a slave to sin. And when Jesus died, Jesus purchased our our freedom and poured out his grace. Poured out his forgiveness and mercy and hope and love. Then Romans chapter 3 and verse 24, it says this, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, or some translation says undeserved grace, declares that we are 
righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So it is through the grace that we are free from the penalty of sin, free from the wages of our sin, free from what the Bible tells us is the end result of sin, and that is death. And it is through the grace of God that we now have been free. Grace is a free gift from God. And when grace, what grace does in your life, grace creates a way for you to be right with God. That's what grace does. It creates a way for you to be right with God. And in fact, the Bible tells us that there is no other way that you can be right with God except when God pours out His grace upon you. Grace basically says, it says that right now, even though your life is imperfect, even though it probably needs to be cleaned up a little, there is forgiveness, hope, love, and salvation for you. Grace says that the guilt that may have plagued you for many years is now removed. And there is no condemnation against you. There is no one who can now condemn you. Romans 8 verse 1 to 2, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. What grace has done for you, grace has gone ahead of you and prepared a way so that you can walk in it. It has given you the key to unlock the door of this life, and that is a life of holiness and fullness unto Jesus Christ. You know, I'll be very careful, I said this this morning, but grace is not the end goal. Grace isn't the end goal. I think so many people think, well, I've got the grace of God, I'm saved. Now that's it. Grace isn't the end goal. What grace does, grace allows you to be transformed into the image of Christ. Grace allows you to access and to be, have the ability to be the person that Christ desires you to be. I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we recently moved into a new house. And uh, first thing that my wife wanted to do, she hated the cabinets that were in our bathroom. And uh, we were getting like new kitchen cabinets, so we can afford to get new bathroom cabinets. And so what we decided to do, there's a, a product that they sell at Lowe's and Home Depot. I'm like all into the home improvement stuff at the moment. That is called Transformations. And basically, it takes uh, an old cabinet and you put all this product on there and different stuff. And you can transform it into this nice, bright, bright, shiny new cabinet. Well, if you've ever had like a piece of furniture and you've tried to paint it, you'll know that there's probably like a glass and a shine on there. If you just come and paint it, then that paint's not going to look very good. In the end, it's probably just going to scratch off. So what you have to do is you have to get what you call a deglosser. And what a deglosser does, it basically, it's a product that you put on, it's a chemical, and it takes the gloss off that wood. So that then you can come back and you can start to paint that wood and transform that wood into something new. That's exactly what grace does in your life. If you just start trying to live a life of holiness, then eventually that life is going to wash off. But what grace does, grace basically comes, cleans up your old life, and enables you to start again and go forward. And it's not just a one-time thing. 
The grace of God helps you day after day after day. I know I need the grace of God as much today as I did 25 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Because the grace of God goes on and on and on and on. That is the grace of God. And when Jesus says to this woman, I do not condemn you either, that's what he was showing. He was showing his grace. But notice, it doesn't just stop there. Jesus doesn't say, I don't condemn you, go away. He says, I don't condemn you, now go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Basically, Jesus says, I want you now to go and live a holy life. Go and live a holy life. To be holy basically means to be set apart. It means to be different just like God is different. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are, as now believers of Jesus Christ, if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are now to be holy just as Christ is holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 to 16 says, But now you must be holy. In everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So God is a holy God. And God now requires you to be holy. The plan of God for every one of us wasn't maybe that you become a millionaire. God's plan wasn't that, you know, you become a family of like, 25 kids or something like that. God's plan wasn't for you to maybe go to school. God's plan for you wasn't that you would have a nice house or a bright, shiny new car. God's plan wasn't even maybe for you to get married. You know what God's plan for you was? God's plan, the Bible tells us, is that you would be holy. Holy. I think so often when we look at the purposes of God for our lives, we're, we're, we think we're trying to, 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 to direct God's purposes in, in, in the things of this world. And like God wants me to have this job or that job. No, God's purpose for your life was that you would be a holy person. As God is holy, so you should be holy. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 says, Even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his life, in in his eyes. So before this world was formed, did God know that you would be born? Yes. And God's plan for your life was that you would be holy. That you would be holy. The problem is, is that I believe that God gives us free will and we do things that are unholy. And so if you want to be in the plan of God and the will of God, you need to live a life that is holy unto God. You may ask, well, what is a holy life? Well, a holy life is this. It's a life that pleases God. It is a life that is offered up to God. It is a life that turns its back on sin and follows God. And just like this man said to this woman, just like Jesus said to this woman, Go and sin no more. Jesus was basically saying, go now and live a holy life. Go and live a holy life. Romans chapter 1 and verse 12, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. 
Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. The kind that he finds acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. And if you want to worship God, if you want to be pleasing in God's eyes, then you need to live a life that is holy unto God. This is the life that God designed for you. It doesn't mean that we have to now be perfect. Because I'll be honest, I'm not perfect. I nearly broke the law this morning. You know, I'm not perfect. Jesus wasn't saying, to this, wasn't saying to this woman, go and live a perfect life. Jesus was basically saying this. Now from this moment, go forward, turn your back on your sin, and go and live a life that is holy, just like I am holy. I want to ask you today, are you someone who suffers with guilt? Are you someone who can't get past maybe things that you've done in your past? Are you someone who has a hard time forgiving yourself and maybe forgiving others? I ask you today, are you a person that knows that your life is well short of the mark? Are you a person you know that you're just struggling with some sins in your life? I ask you today, are you someone who just tries to work and work and work to be right with God. Every day you're just trying to do a new thing just to be right with God. If that's you, then you've probably got these holes in the bucket of your life and the life of Christ that gets poured in maybe each Sunday or when you read your Bible, when you go to a small group. just gets leaked out. Because those things in your life are big, giant holes where leaks happen. And this is where the grace of God comes in for you. It opens the door to a life that is transformational. Basically, what it does, it allows you to be pleasing and right in the sight of God. And if that's you today, if you are dealing with guilt, if you are dealing with pain or hurts from the past, then take hold of the grace of God because God has already forgiven you. God has looked past your sin. God has looked past the things that you may have done in the past or that you're doing right now. And Jesus is saying, I do not condemn you. I do not condemn you. I ask you today, maybe you're someone who looks quickly past the sin in your life. Maybe you're someone who Or maybe, are you someone who, when you sin, you kind of just knock it off. You're like, well, the grace of God is sufficient for me. The grace of God is enough. I mean, God will forgive me anyway. If that's you, then it's time to get back on the road to holiness. You know what I've discovered? Grace without holiness. Is powerless. Holiness without grace is pointless. It doesn't do anything for you. If you're just relying on the grace of God and you're not committed to making a holy life, then the power of God has not changed your life. Because when the life of Christ pours into your life, you want to start living a life that is holy unto God. And if you are just trying to live a life of holiness but never experience the grace of God, 
then it's just pointless because you're just working and working and working and the end result is you will work for nothing. If you are living in sin today, if you are allowing sin into your life, then you're causing big, giant holes in the bottom of your bucket. And the life of Christ is just draining out. It's time to go and sin no more. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 says, For God saved you and called you to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. So the plan of God was this, that God wanted you to be holy and his grace allows you to be holy. His grace allows you to be holy. Grace has made a way for you to live the life that God desires for you. And that's to be transformed into the image of Christ. I tell you today, don't dwell on your past. Because your grace, sorry, his grace has made a way for you. Today is a new day. Today is a day to go forward and live out your God-given purposes. And that's to be holy in his eyes.